You're listening to the Scale to Grow podcast, where we help service-based business owners to take the guesswork out of scaling and growing their business so they can pursue their passions. My name is Shauna, and I'm a business mentor to coaches and creatives, and I help them to get out of the day-to-day and focus on scaling and growing their business to the next level. I sit down with business owners to talk about their experiences, the lessons they've learned, and share tips and strategies on how you can build your business without the overwhelm. And we covered the topic of hiring and onboarding. And we really dug into questions about your first hire, what to expect, the places to find them, and the alternative to the hiring process and how you can really avoid some of the common mistakes that a lot of business owners make. So we cover a lot in this conversation and I really want you to get the most out of it. So Sit back for the next 30 to 50 minutes where we dig into how you can take your hiring process to the next level. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce with me today is going to be Yama. She is going to talk about hiring and onboarding, what to expect with your first hire and places to find your your team members and alternative to DIY. So can you hear me, Yama? I can hear you. Let me mute while you... All right. So sorry about that. So yeah, so she's going to be talking about what to expect when you're having your first hire, places to find your team members, and alternatives to DIYs and some of the common mistakes. So I wanted to introduce Yama. So Yama, thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit about you and how did you get started? Yes. Thank you so much, Shana. Hi, everyone. My name is Yama and I'm a leadership and hiring consultant. So I teach online business owners and entrepreneurs how to build teams, um, mostly through hiring, but also how to lead those teams through executive leadership training. So my background and just kind of really how I started, you want me to jump into even how I started my business as well? So I wanted to just talk about even just your background, like your, like, where, where did it all start? Like your professional, where did your professional life started? And then how did you jump into business? Yeah. So I actually worked as a talent acquisition consultant leader for over 10 years, primarily in an online job site, job board like LinkedIn and Indeed. So I touched multiple areas of the business, um, helping job seekers, helping employers. And really through that, I was able to navigate and and assist some of my friends. And I've always kind of assisted people just as like a go-to person. Um, whenever they had questions about hiring process, you name it. So I was just a go-to. Um, in the process of working in that corporate space and getting laid off, I transitioned again, more so fully into helping some of my friends and just um, my colleagues with those type of questions. And that's really where I would say my entrepreneurship journey started. Um, while I was helping with, again, operations, hiring advice and process optimization, I never looked at it as a career, but then I started to look at it. I was like, no, maybe this, there's a way that I can start you know, making this a business. But after I got laid off and I started uh, assisting with some of these processes for businesses and for friends, mm-hmm. I decided to go ahead and just invest in you know, learning more about the online world. And that's when I became a certified online business manager because I really wanted to understand the online tools as well. 
So I did the OBM. I decided to also invest in coaching so that I can lean in on more, lean in more on like what is resonating with my clients, what is resonating with my audience. Um, and that was hiring. Um, mm-hmm. And so basically I developed more of a done for you program and a done with you program and tie that into a leadership development program. So I can give more of like a full service, uh, full circle offering to CEOs that were looking to not just build a team, but to also manage them effectively after building and hiring. You have, you bring not just the, the hiring and recruitment background, but you also bring the operational background to understand what happens once you hire the person. Yes, basically. How useful have you found that in just your conversations with business owners or just um, people who are looking for positions? How has that helped you? Um, I mean, in, you just realize that hiring is just not a one-sided thing. So being able to talk about both aspects of it has been so helpful. It, it In its own way, it's its own funnel. You know, people have questions about not just how to hire, but then like, yeah. how can I retain and how can I manage? So it's been very useful because again, as you're talking to people, you'll realize that, especially in the online space, this is such a huge, it's one, a huge need. It's a huge pain point. And so being able to not just have the background, but then trying to take the time to understand the online space and be able to drive value into like, what is important to you? How is it? And, um, you know, what has been your biggest struggle? And then finding ways just through that experience that I have to say, this is what I would recommend, whether it's just a consultative approach, you know, like I said, for just like a done with you, like, let me help you figure it out. Or is it like, let me help, let me do that hiring for you or, you know, whatever it is. So it's been very useful in having that, you know, really broad um, approach and just aspect of it. Oh, that's awesome. I really like that. So, and that, and that brings us into the, like the next question. Like, so how do you know when it's time to hire and what positions to hire for? Yeah. So um, I love this question because it, you know, it's, it's, it seems so easy. You're like, okay, I just, I have this position. I'm going to go and hire this, this, you know, whatever you can think of at the moment. But if you really sit down and you realize that there really is a way and kind of a strategy that you want to go about it. So for me, it's like three things. Um, First, I look at hiring and delegation as something that go hand in hand because they're both processes. If you think about it, where you are, you have someone and you, I'm sorry, you basically are realizing that you need help identifying um, and that you're ready to have someone help you in your business. So when it comes to delegating, for example, you know that you have a team, you have yeah. people that you can reach out to and say, I have, I want to delegate this to you and yeah. I want to, and I know who to delegate it to. So you already have a team. You're like, I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to give them this task. But when you don't have a team, you're yeah. now tasked with, I have these tasks, but I have no one to delegate it to. Mm-hmm. And so that realization, when you don't have a team is the first, I think, step in just saying, I need help. So I need help and I need help doing these X, Y, Z tasks. So that's like the first like thought, like your aha moment of, I have no one to help me do these things. And if I did, I would know what to ask them and what to give them to do. Yeah. Yeah. So once you sit down and you realize that, then you now have to determine, can you afford it? You know, mm-hmm. do you have the money? Are your finances set up to support <laughs> hiring, you know? And before you even do this, you want to sit back and say, have you automated everything? Have you invested in all of the systems? Because you don't want to hire someone who could basically do something that you could do in Dubsado or do something that you could do with another type of project management system or something else. So making sure that you have all of the systems in place and this person is still going to be, um, you know, 
a position that you need. So this is still something that you would need. So yeah. once we determine those two things, you then just want to, you then need to identify that, are you dropping balls when you're within your business? When you're a solopreneur, you're doing everything. And in the beginning, you're probably doing it very well, which is why you're thriving, your business is thriving. You've gotten to this place where you now need to hire. So when you're dropping balls and when you don't have the same standards that you, you know, establish and held for yourself as a solopreneur, you probably are like, I need help juggling all of these parts of my business. Mm -hmm. I I need someone. I've identified what the roles are. I know that I have the money to, to do it. Um, and that money piece will also help you determine, do you need a contractor or an employee or what salary do I need to pay them? Should it be a full-time or a part-time position? So once you identify all of that, and then you're like, I am, I don't want to drop balls within my business anymore. Then you can determine that it's time for me to hire. And I need to go ahead and hire for these type of positions because you really know where the ball is getting dropped in what area of your business this is the area that you need to focus on. And this is maybe the area that you need to invest in getting a new team member. Okay. Yeah. I actually, that's a very good point because I think a lot of people think that because they're being told to hire, they should just go out and just hire someone. And it's usually, let me just get a virtual assistant and just start that. Mm -hmm. And then when they do that, they end up running into the issue of, well, I don't know what to give them to do. Exactly. they're not busy. And, you know, now it's like, it's taken my time to then explain to them what they should do. So it's just doesn't make sense to do it myself, just do it myself and not bother with it. And I see that a lot come up in a lot of businesses and, or with a lot of business owners. So knowing all that, you know, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen, like when you're, when you're communicating with some of the business owners, even before you get into like the hiring um, conversation and even after the hiring conversation, when we get to the onboard, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen? And you actually made a really great point, Shauna. Sometimes hiring that VA is actually not a bad thing. You just have to realize that if you hire that VA, maybe they just need to be very contract. They need a certain number of hours and you just need to add on and supplement, you know, another position as Mm -hmm. well. So I don't like to say, you know, don't hire a VA because sometimes a VA could be very helpful. You just need to know, like, maybe you don't need a full-time VA that is employee and that's that's your only, like, go-to, then that's the only person that you're depending on for everything else. So that's definitely a really good point. And I can definitely see a common mistake. It's just more so, like, a lot of people just don't know how to manage and best manage that VA when they go that direction as their first hire. Um, But to your question about the main, the most common mistake is that, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, is that people don't hire with retention in mind. I think everyone is just hiring to fill a position. When you make the wrong hire because you're in a rush or because you're just trying to fill a position, you will always, nine times out of 10, go back to the hiring drawing board, as I call it. So you just, you know, like, and that's honestly just the truth. And another thing that I see is that people rely on Facebook groups because it's easy, you know? So it's this is what we see. We talk about trends. People just want to go the easy route and, and do that. Um, so I just always say, like, do your own research, you know, and target the right hire the same way that you target your audit, your ideal audience. You know, you need to have that same approach when you're hiring someone within your business. Overall, you just don't want to have the butts and seats approach. And taking those shortcuts because it's just, you're going to hire people and it's not going to be their zone of genius. And as we know, in every online course that we've taken, like 
targeting the right person for the right position. This is yeah. how you can basically work in your zone of genius. This, you want to be doing what you do best. Exactly. And and I think one so one person just commented to just say hiring the right person is an asset. And, Literally. And and that's and, and and that's essential. And that's why I think a lot of people forget that when you're hiring, it's not just you're hiring someone to just do the do the task that you have on the table for them. You really have to think about what is that person going to do to help me get to that end goal in my business? And maybe stay for a longer period of time because sometimes it's it's more it's it's exactly like you said the ideal client because it's it's better to keep a person who understands your business and retain them mm-hmm. than to constantly keep going back to that drawing board and having the same having to train having to coach having them to it's almost like dating you're trying to get back into the groove trying to like get mm-hmm. to know each other understand <laughs> yep. what the processes like you know what I mean it's like. No, you have to, you know, you have to like give them access and it, it it costs you money and time. And it's just, it just makes sense to just really take the time up front to really understand what people want, what, what you need in your business and who can be the right fit for that. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. So, so in terms of when you're thinking of why do most people hire, hire people and find out it doesn't work out, what do what comes up for you? When you hire someone and you just find out that it's not working out, it's not a good fit. fit. This is something that people identify pretty early on. And it's, it's like right when they get in the door, they're like, this was a mistake. (laughs) This was not the best fit. And I think the reason why is that they are hiring when they start and it's always in the hiring process, in the hiring process, if you're not hiring first and foremost with your company values or hiring someone Mm -hmm. that, with your company values. This is, I think, the number one mistake. You need to make sure that you hire people who have similar values to, the, to your company. No one is going to stay at a company where they believe X and you believe Y. Either way, it's going to be a clash, whether it's internally between you and the new hire or within your customers where it can actually start to affect your business. So you want to make sure that your values, what you stand for as a company is clear because mm-hmm. this is what going to align and help, you know, keep that relationship going. Um, Also, and I think this was kind of something we touched on as well, is that when people are hiring, they have no clarity in the core competencies of the position. It's, I want to post this job. I'm going to copy this job description. I'm going to post it because that's what I think. (laughs) The job description they, and the requirements. They saw it on someone else's Facebook group, and then they decided, you know, let me just swipe this. Everybody's a rock star. Everybody's a unicorn. Exactly. And you just hire a bunch of people who are generalists and can't help you. Exactly. You nailed it. So basically, when you're clear on your ideal candidate and just knowing, asking yourself really and truly. What will this, what would the ideal candidate need to do best in order to be the best person for this role? And then building out what, what that is, you know, what are the skills? What are, what are all the things? What's the day to day? Even that sometimes it's like giving the day to day perspective of the position, but having clarity on just what the skills are, what this person needs to know, what will they do best, better than anybody else and hiring that person again, going back into their zone of genius, because if you hire someone who is operating from their zone of genius, they're going to be a good fit. It's going to work out because they're going to, like you said, be a rock star and because they're doing what they love and they're doing what they know. Yes. You know? Yeah. And the last part really with that, with it not working out in my opinion, probably is even just 
having that talent acquisition process to begin with, having it mapped out. So a lot of people, again, we start hiring, we think, I need this person, I need this role. We talked about it earlier, like you have, you've identified where the balls are getting dropped. You now have, you know, the money to pay a salary, but you're not then sitting back and saying, all right, what's my talent acquisition strategy? What's going to be my end-to-end workflow that I'm going to create to hire and onboard this person? And really thinking that through so that way you are implementing everything per step, per stage to make sure that you have a really tight strategy when you're hiring. So I, I really love that because I think that's where a lot of people run into challenges because they're not very clear on what should I do once I post the job? Do I just ask them a bunch of questions, random questions? Um, should mm-hmm. I test them? And, or, or is it just more of I should follow my intuition and if they're a good fit, they're a good fit. And then I'll hire them after the first conversation, which is usually like a conversa- a virtual chat or something. And, exactly. You know, so I like that you point out that you really need to have that talent acquisition process. So for people who don't know what a talent acquisition process would generally be, would you be able to share something a little bit more? About yeah, that? yeah, absolutely. So just being able to identify if you had an end to end process, just think about it from the beginning to end. What would that look like? Um, we already talked about identifying the position. We talk about what identifying what the person will be doing. How many stages do you want to um, implement in your interview process? Yes. You know, do you want to do one round of interviews, 10 rounds of interviews, whatever? It just depends on the position and, and what might work best for you. But like really determining what that looks like. Are you going to implement assessments in your process? Mm-hmm. You know, are there going to be paid assessments or, or free assessments? You know, um, are you going to like have on the job training after that, you know, basically trying to figure out if I pull, if I put this person through this step, this process yes, from start to finish, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that when I'm done, they have tested, they've done through, they've gone through everything that they need to go through to be the best person for this hire. And basically it's just like, it's your HR strategy. It's your hiring strategy, but it's not just, I want to post a job. I want to interview and I want to hire. It's what are all the things that go into each step and then, of course, onboard them. Maybe a lot of people miss that because they're spending so much time trying to, they're hiring when it's too late, essentially. Mm-hmm. So they don't get enough time to sit back and, and, and look at things more objectively versus just saying, I need to get someone in in like a week. And, and implementing that, you know, like you said Shauna, even just if you have like an OBM or anyone else within your business, you're like, if you're creating SOPs, create an SOP for hiring and onboarding before you even need it. Because guess what? When it's time to hire, you just want someone to say, you just want to say go and they can go and hire and they can do whatever, you know, they they can go through this strategy that you've created. This will help you prevent all, what we just talked about, rush hiring, trying to hire quickly because someone had to leave from maternity leave and now you no longer have a graphic designer and you're like, I need this person. You have a process in place and have a strategy and you can do it the right way. Even if it takes a little bit longer, you could do it the right way, knowing that now when you do get this graphic designer in, um, they will be the best fit for the position and can basically replace whoever it is that that transitioned from your company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a good that's a that's a good way to kind of segue into this question, too, that someone asked about for a person who's new to coaching, how would how would you have time and the skills to do the talent acquisition 
if you're focusing on coaching, I think essentially is what they're asking. Um, it's really hard. Like when you're focusing on coaching, you just have to make the time for it. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. That's the thing with everything. When we're coaching and we're doing even when we're coming up with our offers and our, our programs, what are we doing? We're taking our CEO days. You have to carve out the time. You yeah. know, you have a coaching program, but create your CEO day so that you're saying hiring is going to be something I'm going to map out on a CEO day in addition to all my other CEO things that I'm doing on that day. You're thinking about your offers. You're thinking about your strategy. You're thinking about your marketing. You're thinking about your funnels. Great. Insert strategy for hiring in there too, because it's just as important. I think sometimes we put it in the back end and in the back burner and you want to make sure that you're not doing that. So when you have time, incorporate it into those CEO days. Um, If you have help, you know, test out, even if it's a high level strategy, like here, give me a framework for what my hiring um, and talent acquisition strategy could look like. You can ask that with your VA, you can ask that and then you just get the shell of it and then you can continue to build it out. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, you just have to have, a very high level strategy to know that you can begin. I mean, we do it all the time. Everyone does it in their programs. You start, you, you don't have the final thing, but you have something to start with. And then guess what? You just build out along the way. And that's just the best way to do it. It's never going to be perfect. You're going to learn after your first time going through your hiring process. You may need to implement two more assessments in there because maybe the first you know one didn't work. But if you don't start somewhere and implement it into any part of your business, you just won't do it. And that's just what it is. Exactly. No, I really love that. And I, I think the follow-up question they asked was, what is a CEO day? And <laughs> yeah. like essentially a CEO day for, for, for anyone who's listening, it's really that day that you are taking for yourself to work on the business. It's the day that everything that is in your on your to-dos, let's just say, would be about how can you build your business? What's the strategy? What's the tactics? What do you need to do? What's what do you need to improve? How can you build out your hiring process? So it's almost like a dedicated day that's just for you to think like a CEO. So everything else, a lot of people get stuck in just um, the tactical pieces of Mm -hmm. the, the day to day and the tactical meaning that they're literally just they're mostly client delivery, reacting to social media you know, doing dances, whatever, you know, reels, Mm -hmm. those are all tactics. They're not your CEO. If you think of like a big, you know, fortune 500, fortune 100, what does a CEO do? And this is where, if you are still in that zone where you haven't thought about your CEO day and what that could look like and what your schedule looks like, then it means that you need to probably look out outwards and see what another CEO does and see how you can incorporate that into your business because a CEO essentially is pretty much at this level. And I always say, if you look at it from even a martini glass, it goes like this and then it goes right in. So you're thinking really big level, high level, and then you think about all the different pieces that you're going to have to look at from on your business and you're looking down on that day and seeing, okay, what do I need to do for the remainder of the week, the remainder of the month, for the remainder of the year? And are we on track? What do I need to change? What do I need to do that's different? And that does not include your client delivery work. It just means yes. that this is about you and internally your business. And that's it. Yep. And to add on to that, just if you think about when you first started your business and you didn't have any clients, you spent all your time 
living a CEO day lifestyle. You spent every day was CEO day because you didn't have any client work. You didn't have any clients. Right. So you spent every day was a CEO day. So think of it like that. Now that you have clients and you're busy, you have to now carve out the time to be able to get a CEO day in because everything else is client delivery. So exactly. what you were doing during that time frame, pretty much a hundred percent of the time, you now have just a, you know a day, probably you know a week if you can, the one day a week that you should at least try. However, however that works for you, um, but you have to have a day where you're basically doing all of the things that you were doing before you ever had one client reaching out to you. You spent every day fine tuning your funnel, fine tuning your offer, reading your website copy, creating your next thing. That is your day that you basically are spending to see where can you optimize. Um, and for anyone who has a corporate background, this would be very similar to, um, you know, leadership offsites. You know, there were times when all the leaders just left and, and went offsite and they were planning. And it was a day, it was a week. But guess what? They weren't really working in the sense of like in the business, they weren't having the team meetings. They were just meeting amongst themselves and they were determining the mission and the vision and the strategy for the next quarter, the next year. And you're ultimately, whether you have the corporate background or whether you just only have entrepreneur back, entrepreneurship background, these are the two examples for like what a CEO day should look like for you if you were going to implement it into your business. Exactly. Exactly. So with that being said, we're now going to go into the closing. I know lots of, lots of questions are coming in. So what's a tip? that you can share for someone who's looking to hire or candidates, any tip, anything that could help someone who is probably now, maybe for the person who's asking, reflecting back on their CEO days and is about to now start looking at who can I hire? Where can I find them? That kind of thing. Yes. Basically, it's okay to ask for help. Just realize that if you aren't a hiring consultant or a hiring strategist, this is not something that you're expected to know to do, and that's okay. You know, so lean in on your community, but also make sure you're doing your due diligence. So ask for help. I always say <laughs> you can ask for help on how to hire, like literally. And so, or you can even hire someone to help you with hiring. Like that's the best thing. Hire someone to help you hire. The end. If you don't know how to do it, if you don't feel comfortable, ask someone, hire someone. But then you just need to make sure that you're just doing and taking that step. So just determine what level of help you need. Do you just need someone to give you strategy, to give you like an overview of what to do? And then you feel if you're an implementer, in addition to being a visionary, go for it. You know, if you can handle it and you feel like, you know what, if you give me a little bit of help, I can implement, then do that. But if you know that you can't own that as well and realize that maybe I might need someone who can help me with more of a done for you service and find that as well. Either way, just. Find what works for you and do that because hiring is, is not easy and hiring qualified talent is even harder. So you just really want to make sure that you're going at it with a plan and strategy like we talked about and just, you know, leaning on your community, but mostly for help and not just what are they doing and doing that, but just, you know, getting out there and asking for help and, and creating your own process. Yes. So I know a lot of people are big on referrals. What, is that something that you think people should go to first, like a referral for hires? Or is that something you think they should look at in addition to the strategy? I think referrals are great. But I also think that you have to be mindful of referrals. Um, if you are going to bring someone in as a referral, don't just say because they came from 
Shauna or because they came from, you know, John, that they're going to be a good, a good fit because they did a great job in their business. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? They were probably working within a system or softwares or platform that they might know very well, you know? Yeah. So you need to make sure you do your due diligence to also do the same checks with them that you would do with a new hire. So you're really being fair. If you're bringing someone into your company, you're giving them assessments and you're scoring them, you're putting them through a rigorous program or just to make sure that they're the right fit. Even if it's a, re- a referral that came in with the highest ratings, do the same thing because they might be familiar with, you know, Notion and have no idea how to do Asana. Like they might know how to do something else and have no idea how to do this thing in your company. And guess what? Yeah. It wouldn't be the right fit for you. You know, like it, it just won't. So yeah. you have to make sure that they could be a rock star you know, referral, but they might not be, I, I actually hate those words, but they might not <laughs> be. Too. I'm so glad someone anything. else said it, right? I, I'm yeah. so glad someone else said it because honestly, the, the term unicorns and whatever, like for me, I'm just like, if you are asking someone to do multiple things, you cannot have the expectation that they're going to be great at everything. Right. And it won't be. And I just think you really have to manage your expectation when you're talking to people, when you're dealing with people, and even when you bring someone on, if you thought, okay, sure, they're a generalist, they understand all these things, they're, they have genius zones, and they're not going to be really great at everything. They're going to mm-hmm. have their, their specialized skills, but sure, they can help you with other things, but you can't expect them to be 100, 150, 200 on everything. It's just not Absolutely. possible. It's, it's not. not possible. So, so basically, don't use those words in your job descriptions. <laughs> in other words, yeah, because you really want to make sure. And that also whittles down the talent, the talent pool and help you kind of get better quality people as well, because there will be there'll be more of a fit for what you're looking for. Yep. So with that being said, where can we find you, Yama, to learn more? You can find me pretty much anywhere. Um, pretty much anywhere. <laughs> Basically, you can find me on at Consult Yama on my social media. Um, so that's my Instagram and my LinkedIn. Um, you can also find me on my website, which is consultyama.com. Um, and this is where you can learn more about my background, um, just my overall experience, my offers as well. And you can, and there's also an option to book a discovery call. So that way, you, if you want to connect further, um, that's the best place to do that as well. All right. So everything is consult Yama. Awesome. Yama, I'm so glad we did this. And yes, I know I did not do you justice in terms of your profile because Yama has done so many things. <laughs> she's been operational, she's been an operational analyst for a SaaS platform. She's been a PM. She's She's pretty much been in the background of a lot of big businesses and have implemented so many things, big initiatives, and came to the online space and brought all of those skills and all of those talents as now someone who helps you to look for your, your I'm going to go with rock star. <laughs> I will not say those words on this call. <laughs> Right. So it will help you to find the right people for your business so that you can actually scale your business, grow your business with the people that you need on your team versus trying to like find people in the dark because it it it, it costs you more to like just jump into 
a, a pool of candidates that isn't the right fit. It will make you more frustrated. And I find a lot of people end up not wanting to grow their businesses because they can't trust people to bring the quality. And that's usually because the hiring process had gaps in it in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so if you if you're interested, absolutely reach out to Yama. Follow her on social media at consult consult Yama. Um, really, really enjoyed this, Yama. Thank you. For Thank sharing. you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Um, <laughs> yeah, did you have any are there any other questions that you want me to ask or answer? I mean, or is that we all so said? There was no other questions. If anybody has any other questions, um, definitely reach out. Thank you for listening to the Scale to Grow podcast. If you would like to know more about how we can help you to take the guesswork out of your business, visit us at www.concaveservices.com.